Welcome to the Podcast Maneuver, the officially unofficial podcast for Star Trek Picard on CBS All Access. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And we watched this week, season one, episode five, titled Stardust City Rag. I don't really get the title. I, I don't, like, rag. Stardust City, I understand. That part, I'm good. It's, it's like a, a musical, like, like ragtime blues, kind of. Like or it's a, a newspaper. Yeah. Or... There's a lot of things that rag refers to. None of them seem to line up with this episode. You can you can you can rag on this episode if you'd like. You could, you know, just yeah. wring it out like so many dishcloths. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think of it? I okay. <laughs> I love Star Trek. Uh-huh. Uh, I go, oh boy. I go way well, back. Well, when Star you have Trek. to preface your comments with "I love Star Trek," no, I do because I see I, I see a lot of opinions going at. Here's my opinion: I love Star Trek. I've always loved Star Trek. There's been times where Star Trek gets so silly that I don't bother to watch it. Um, however, I think it's a true statement that at no time in its televised or even cinematic history has Star Trek ever been uniformly and consistently excellent or even good. Like there's seasons of uh, Next Generation Deep Space Nine that are pretty good, but you every five episodes you'd get a clunker or a cringe fest or or just a, something with its head up its ass or a writer didn't know the characters. Um, <laughs> and with that said, I think Star Trek Picard is is pretty good Star Trek. It's it's weird because this episode with its horrific opening of no anesthetic surgery and ripping Borg implants out is like as like like Star Trek's almost grim dark at this point. You know? Uh like yeah. like it's it's like uh altered carbon levels of just pointless cruelty. Um but that I'm I'm kinda in for that ride. Uh and and, and I really liked I thought it was fun seeing them dress up. I thought Patrick Stewart being appropriately sinister was a fucking delight. Um, but there, yeah, it's, it's doing a, like, like 20% of it is what I would call stupid shit that there's no need and no call for. And with, with a little bit better writers or a little bit more time to, to think things through, it would be better. But like, again, at no time in its history has Star Trek ever been universally excellent. So I'm, I'm enjoying it. I really like seeing seven and nine come back. Um, and there's a couple things that were I thought goofy and disappointment, but overall I liked it and it felt like it moved the plot forward. Okay. Uh, I I also want to preface my comments with I love Star Trek <laughs> so much so that I've been binge watching TNG uh, for the last few weeks, sure. as you know. Um, and I'm really thoroughly enjoying my time with TNG. Yes, there are several episodes per season that are clunkers. But once you get past the first two seasons, it it's almost uniformly good. Almost. Uh, that said, this is a very different Star Trek. This is this even the, down to the character of Picard. I, I'm still I'm still adjusting to this new version of Star Trek. The new Picard is very strange to me. He does not mm. feel like a man who is in command anymore, which he shouldn't because he's not right. He feels like a man who is simultaneously broken and yet silly enough to be appropriately pissed off or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it, it just feels weird. This is a very different character at this point, and yeah. I'm I'm still not adjusted to that. I think you, I, I, I'm picking up what you're putting down, which is, but he's trying to play a broken man who has lost his idealism, but is idealistic enough to tell. 
this this outlaw bat space Batman that watched her son get diced apart for Borg parts that like, hey, you know, is revenge the best policy here? Yeah, like, and, and that's kind of old Picard. And those, those are the moments that shine through. And I see the old the 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 man who used to exist. Right. But the, that man doesn't abandon his friends for 14 years. Right. They're really and, caught between the tension of those two things that they're trying to do. They are. And that man also was never sort of in on the joke on these like because this this episode is essentially an away mission right like he's taken his crew he's gone down to the planet sure and he's in one of those scenarios where like they're dressed up funny and they're fish out of water and like they have to pretend that they're this thing while getting simultaneously to the mission they need to get to but picard was never like in on that joke picard was always the straight man sure. where like everything around him is happening sort of to him and he's reacting and trying to you know, stay on mission while not giving up the gig. Like, right. This episode doesn't feel like that. This episode feels simultaneously like I, I thought there was going to be a ton of fun in this episode, mm -hmm. and there was like maybe a moment that mm. was fun, and it might be that Picard moment. But the Picard moment to me rang sort of not true to his character, especially the broken man that he's that he is now. <laughs> like, suddenly gets all into this away mission with the eye patch and the accent, and like, I get that he would be sort of uh reluctantly doing this thing because that's always how he did those away missions but yeah. the idea that he would get into this character and have fun with it is not something i think of from picard do you think he's having fun with it because i think he's just uh he's playing a bad like all the the humor in this to me is both of these characters rios and picard playing these outlandish characters in a bad cringy like noticeably not correct way mm -hmm. um yeah i just so don't think like, old picard ever gives that that delivery of that line when he's among his friends i guess so. he goes down to the planet and he does the job he needs to do but right. he doesn't like relish in it prior to the mission right he's almost like rolls his eyes at everything he's got to do to prepare for this thing yeah <laughs> it's just a very different picard and i I haven't settled into who this character is yet, and I don't know that the show has either. I, that's what I'm thinking, because there's also, like, uh, going back to TNG, the first two seasons, uh, Picard's characterization itself is wild uh, all over the place. Like, they didn't yeah. quite nail, like, the distance he kept between his crew and the way he maintains their, their loyalty and respect for, you know, because, like, there's a lot of times in, like, early seasons of Star Trek that Picard just comes across as a giant dick. Mm -hmm. for like like almost yeah. uh where he's like on the spectrum not uh it's it's it's, it's a hard to imagine a guy like that would get command of a starship because he just doesn't seem like he understands how people tick or or you know understands why people follow a particular leader or whatnot and it took him a while to kind of home into that because you know mm -hmm. poorly written picard can turn into a gary stew like that you know, he's just got to be smarter than you. He's more empathetic yeah. than you. He's better than you. He's what he, he's a master at whatever discipline he needs to be a master about on a level of like a professional expert in that. Like he can hold court with archaeologists mm -hmm. and physicists and actors and like it, it, it's it's insane. So it's it's a it's he's a hard character to kind of thread that needle and, and walk on that line. And yeah, then you add 14 years of you know, depression and getting his ass kicked by Starfleet and disappointment at them failing in their mission and, and also Starfleet changing. That's the other thing. It's been 14 years and like I was watching Red Letter Media's uh, and they're really hung up on like they just can't like get this new track, this dark track. They just are not having it. And I'm yeah. like, 
I've seen in my own lifetime how fast a government can change. And we've mm-hmm. seen back in history, like, you know, you look in the 20s and 30s, like how World War One impacted countries and, and how quickly they slid from nominal democracy to outright fascism. I, you know, like, why would the Federation be uniquely immune to that? Um, you you want to say 400 years in the future, just that, it'll, it you know, that that can never happen again. I don't know. And it's interesting for Star Trek to explore that. Yeah, it's just a different tone. I I think like if you're if you are looking for a one to one mapping of TNG to this, Mm -hmm. you're going to be very disappointed. Sure. Um, And I'm just sort of coming to terms with those, I guess, expectations I had coming in uh, of who Picard was going to be, of what the show was going to be, of how these, you know, ridiculous away missions that I love so much on the old show would go in the new show. Yeah, and I think they did a bad job of prepping us for that. Like the all the stuff coming out of like the first Comic Con reveals, this is a return to classic Trek. It's got a beloved figure. Like Picard is, you yeah. know, the anti-Kirk. You know, and this is a, this is a, you know a lot more Kirk swashbuckling and you know playing fast and loose. And I think mm-hmm. they could have done a job, a better job of saying that like, no, this is still going to be Star Trek with an edge. This is going to be grappling with current geopolitical things, but it's going to be Dark Federation, and and maybe we would have been in for that but I, I don't know yeah it also struck me how much ground tng covers in a single episode mm. um with its themes and its its moral quandaries and things like that the show isn't doing that no the you... show is taking its time i don't know if it's better for it but that's what it's doing i mean you can like that that's the thing that's frustrating to me is this format with Star Trek being as big a property as it is with the money behind it should have among the best writers and writing staff. And they keep giving it to this particular crew that has already failed to deliver a satisfying universally satisfying Star Trek. I don't understand why they run it back. Like I looked up at the hmm. uh, information at the woman who wrote this episode. Best I can tell, she's essentially a Voyager fanfic writer. that got a couple of Voyager novel gigs and then she got brought on to Enterprise and Disco as a staff writer. And she's doing some cool things. Like, I liked the kind of Ocean's Eleven vibe she brought to some of this. But, like, it never quite pays off. And, and it kind of gets in the way in some cases. Yeah, like, like the um, genius of Soderbergh is he can do that. Um, and it, it's like that, that format of, like, showing something in real time and then rewinding it to show our characters being clever to get around this the 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 peril they're about to be in is fun but if you don't do it right it bleeds a lot of attention and makes it feel like you're sitting is like a little groundhog day like uh <laughs> you know the lizard band routine where yeah. they roll up on the lizard band they rewind the show that like he can smell lies and then the lizard band has to establish the fact that yes he can and smell lies that's that's where it's clunky and you need a little bit more thought and effort to polish and yeah. smooth those things out and they just don't bother right because they don't have time or maybe they don't have the skill but it's it's too bad that trek can't get like uh you know you look at like what damon lindelof did with the watchman uh if you gave this crew the watchman it would have been an unwatchable mess <laughs> and you think about like this is already pretty good like its production values off the charts it's got yeah. great actors you know fucking mm-hmm. patrick stewart but they're not maximizing this potential because they're not spending the money where it needs to be spent. Yeah, and I don't think the show is bad. I'm, I'm, I think this is better than mediocre, probably uh, a little bit better than mediocre. It's not what I expected, but you know, I'll get used to it. 
Shall we get into the? Shall, shall we uh, stop ragging on the Stardust <laughs> City and and start talking about it? Yeah. So we start off at the Seven Domes. I don't know. It's someplace on this planet, Vergeson, Vergesson, the Hypatia system. Thirteen yeah. years ago, uh, seven. I think this nine. is the planet Wonder Woman comes from. It is. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> you got that crossover potential. Yeah. Uh, big Marvel bucks coming in the door at Paramount <laughs> or DC. Yeah. Or yeah, DC. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, the the bucks are still pretty big over there. That's yeah, fine. cross it over Marvel, DC, bring yeah. Star Trek, bring it all in. There's no way there hasn't been a Marvel, DC, Star Trek comic book crossover in the 50 Has plus years they've been doing this shit. No way. Right. I don't believe it. Uh, so Seven of Nine tries to save some character that you may or may not recognize from Voyager called Icheb. Uh, it's a Borg friend of hers, but it's too late. So she mercy kills him. Did you know this guy's backstory? No, but I looked it up. Because I, I looked... Um, I got one of, some, some bullet points for you if you want them. One of the things that... Yeah, one of the things they mentioned on the um, the Red Letter Media Review is they asserted that there's never been a... <laughs> uh, it's, so many things happened last week. Uh, I watched this Red Letter Media. Uh, a, a longtime Voyager fan sent us a, a several screeds uh, taking us to task for not wa- watching all of Voyager before we... We we do Picard. Sure, just a hundred hours. You yeah, know, just a hundred. We can fit that in within a, a week or two. Um, yeah. But they they it's you know asserted that like we miss a lot of things. And then I watched a red letter media review where Picard asserts that there's never been a Romulan assembly. And then they smash cut to Voyager se- uh, season six where a guy steps forward and says, "I was a Romulan before I was assimilated by the Borg." And like, did Janeway just, like, delete her logs when she got back to Federation space and forbid mm-hmm. anyone for... Because, like, no, that's yeah. not 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 true. Um, Never made it to the captain's log. Yeah, like, these people have not seen every episode of Voyager, I'm convinced. Oh, so, right. like, I don't know why, as a podcaster, I'd be held to a higher standard. <laughs> but in that exact same episode where they established that there's there's Romulan Borgs, uh, they had this, this ship of Borg children... Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess there's a species called the Brunali who had a, you know, they, they their homeworld was on the front door of a Borg warp conduit. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, the Borg hadn't f- finished them off, but they were kind of, you know, hidden the feral places of the world. And they had this idea that they were going to upload this viral weapon uh, in the form of this child who would get assimilated. Uh, and this child got assimilated by the Borg. The viral weapon went out, took out the cube. But for some reason, it left all of these children to kind of grow up as feral Borg on this cube. Mm-hmm. Um, and this Ichab is the one of the kids that Seven of Nine sort of adopted. This is very late. Yeah. You know, this Voyager season ran seven, six, season seven, seven, yeah. se- seven seasons. So it's a very late, late Voyager. But mm-hmm. but she had this relationship, this kind of like mother-son relationship with this kid. Uh, and I don't think you need to know all that for the scene to work because she yeah, establishes all that. And like, you know, like... Sure, she's there's other ex Borg in the universe. We've seen several of them. I have no doubt that she would have a special affinity for them. And she's got mm-hmm. this child, and he's being ripped apart by these scavengers, and it's pretty horrific. I I felt full empathy even without the the bullet point backstory. I don't know what's horrific is in researching this Echeb character. Yes, it is exactly how you explained it. But mm-hmm. then later on, after he saved. Uh, from the Borg ship and sort of de-assimilated, they reunite him with his parents mm-hmm. who proceed to drug him and send him back through the transport conduit to the Borg to be reassimilated. Why? Or try to, because that's their whole plan. They want to destroy the Borg 
by sending these these kids with oh, they're so loaded he, with virus he, and they know it worked because it took out the cube so it's like right do so it, they're gonna try it again yeah. it's just fucked up like oh parents i've finally reunited with you and then they drug you and send you back to where you came from i'm trying to think of what like if you lived on Jesus. earth and like seven billion people are dead and it's like a walking dead situation there's only a few thousand of you left would you sacrifice your child to destroy the borg i don't know Maybe at that point, I mean, the, you're, you're your situation's done. not changing, right? Like yeah. you're stuck in the foot of this or the mouth of this transwar uh, conduit. So yeah, they're going to keep. I don't know. Maybe it's like uh, we do. We do know child hell. You know, Earth has had child sacrifice in its past. So Tyler yeah, but does. then so that's the past of of yeah. Echib and Seven, and that's kind of all you need to know to catch up to this episode. It is like so, like you know, this this uh, I, I talked about Star Trek being grim dark, which is mm-hmm. uh, that's something that came out of the Warhammer fandom to like talk about how just depressingly brutal everything is in that universe. And there's a there's a coin, there's a phrase that they use when grim dark uh, goes too far. It's called grim derp. Where it's like, it's not just pointlessly cruel, but it also doesn't make internal sense. Mm-hmm. Why the fuck would you ever do a complex medical procedure on a person that's not anesthetized? Like, it seems dangerous. If they need to be alive, there's a way to harvest that, and they're not screaming and thrashing around and fucking yeah. up your implants. And, like, was it a point that they want to torture the Borg? I, like, I don't, like, I don't understand it. And I, I feel like this scene, not only was it shocking by Star Trek standards, like, Star Trek's never been this gory and violent. Mm-hmm. Of course, they're also dropping F-bombs because... But, like, this is a little grim derpy for me. Yeah. Um, it's horrific to to vivisect a person and, and harvest their organs, uh, whether they're anesthetized or not. But, like, this doctor just doing it is just, I don't know, a little, little mad science Yeah, and, and they linger on it, too. It's it's yeah. not like they wanted to get convey the, the idea. They yeah. wanted to show you the process. Yeah, and- Jonathan Frakes, who directed this episode and the last one, uh, has always wanted to do a hostile yeah or like a, a human centipede mm-hmm. and he he's he's never able to get one so now There's a lot of good body horror potential for borg like you could just do a oh, whole sure. borg series that's a horror series yeah it's just body horror it's it's psychological torture there's a lot of horrifying things about the borg like uh-huh. that one uh, there's a dream sequence at first contact where picard's like woken from a dream and like a borg implant bursts out of yeah. his face and just a, but like this is this is this is pointless cruelty. A little grim, yeah. der- a little grim derp for me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, okay, so we're we go back to two weeks ago, and we're on we're in Stardust City in Free Cloud in the Alpha Dorada system, and a character named that we'll come to know as Bajazel gets a report that Bruce Maddox is around, and Bruce tells her that the Romulans blew up his lab. And she knocks him out with poison. What's your, <laughs> what's your feeling on naming a character that looks like this? That's supposed to be like a crime lord, uh, something that looks like it should be pronounced Bajazzle. I don't like it, mm-hmm. but I honestly, I I couldn't tell you why. I, it's something about just the phonetics of that name that I don't like. I just it just seems like it's a, it's a very very uh, as seen on TV bejazzle. It's yeah. like your grandma's going to bejazzle your jacket. I, I thought for the longest time because I didn't have captions on that they were saying the jazel, uh-huh. and I was like, who is the jazel? Yeah, the jazel. <laughs> right. right. Don't get it. It's just not just jazel. It's the jazel. Yeah, it's apparently be jazel. Uh, another point. So we were introduced to Bruce Maddox here. Uh, I was shocked that they didn't get Brian Brophy. Yeah, uh, because yeah. they, they got Hugh. Uh, they, I, I guess they didn't get each, the the original Egypt back either. Um, 
I'm not sure right. what, like, did, did, because I guess I did some research and I guess uh, Brian Brophy is like a professor now and he's not, hasn't acted, he hasn't acted in, in a while. decades, but like Star Trek calls you back and says they want you to reprise this role that's from a fairly big and well-known beloved episode. Mm-hmm. And even if you're out of like, did he say no? Did they not approach him? Uh, Hugh. And you're only going to be in it for one episode? You, you get Hugh? You get Hugh, but you can't get yeah, and you're that's right. You're hey, fly out, do a single episode. We're going to kill you, and then you what if never he's created a, a synthetic in his own image, <laughs> and that's why he didn't want to do it. Oh my god! And they actually it's like no one rec- no one realized no one realized that Bruce Maddox had had a lot of work done or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> oh, well, they're going to try to pass it off like that, <laughs> right? So I-, I was thinking maybe there are more of him out there, and this maybe was the real Bruce Maddox, but then we'll come to know like some synthetic Maddoxes. I don't know. Do, do you think Professor Brophy big-timed him? Oh, yeah, he wanted too much. Yeah, yeah. 10 million. He was 10 asking. Mi- 10 million yeah. is a Brophy price. He, if, he wanted that rock money. Yeah, you want a Brophy performance, you're going to have to pay some Brophy <laughs> cash. <laughs> Brophy needs a new pair I've of shoes. I've got 10 your motherfuckers. I ain't, I ain't leaving this campus for anything less than nine figures. I, I yeah. It's just so bizarre because they they really do the fan service on some of this casting, and it's like I'm just mm-hmm. like, man, what? what the, they just couldn't get him? Crazy. Yeah, uh, so then we go over to Hollow Chateau Picard. Seven of Nine asks Picard what he's doing out here, and he's pretty vague in his answer, and he ends up criticizing Seven's involvement with the Fenris Rangers, and Seven sort of defends herself by saying, oh, these people need help. So Picard reframes his mission as the same, and that sort of wins her over. Intrigued. Yeah, like, uh, it's so funny, because, like, again, last episode, Picard is like, I can't believe this thing's gone to shit. Where are the Fenris Rangers? And this episode, he's like, Fenris Rangers, come on. What is this yeah. vigilante shit you guys are pulling? Like, It's pretty did, did, wishy-washy on his... Never mind me watching Voyager. Did they watch the last episode? Like, what does Picard really feed? Or does he just like to be uh, holier than thou to everyone he's talking to? Yeah, there you go. Uh because I don't know, I thought the Fenris Rangers sounded pretty cool. Like, there's some kind uh-huh. of partial collapse of Federation. Yeah, this law. power vacuum. It makes a lot of sense that somebody would step in. Now, yeah. would it be Seven of Nine? I don't know. What but... I was thinking about, like, in re- in in real world analogs, would that what would that be like? Going to like some kind of like going to Syria? Like like uh, do they have like soldier like like uh, not mercenaries, but just like soldiers of fortune that go to like war torn areas and just dispense justice at the end of a gun? I don't think like, I, I I know if you don't because like if you don't have the backing of a state, mm-hmm. it seems like you're just going to get steamrolled. Anyone that's going to show up in any area of the world, much less the cosmos, is just going to get their going to get their ass handed to them because yeah, you got to hope that the powers that be in other areas have sort of the resources tied up yeah. already, which I think the Federation did. Um, you know, they lost a whole bunch of shit when Mars went up. Right. They lost a bunch of shit on this rescue mission, like. Right. The, the Romulans lost everything. So, right. like, that power vacuum in the neutral zone is kind of going to be there for a while. And mm-hmm. it leaves a little bit of room for something like the Fenris Rangers to evolve and develop. Yeah. It does feel like you've got, like, for the first time, like, this front, front frontier where there is, you know, kind of like hut space in Star Wars where the Republic just doesn't quite reach yeah. out there. And maybe there's more of that of the galaxy than there ever has been because, as you know, what they lost, like, 10,000 ships. During the evacuation, they lost like Mars is very important, you know, kind of planet, you know, shipyard, shipyard and yeah. like it's they they I, I start to feel like the Federation is kind of crippled as as shrunk and has kind of gotten uh, 
you know, gone gone past lean and mean and hit skinny and pissed and and they're they're backed in a corner and they're they're meaner. I, I kinda like this story. I mm-hmm. I do wish though that if they we have another Star Trek series after this that we can go back. Like, okay, we've now seen Trek as grim as it can be. Uh, can this be the nadir that another series like goes back and does like utopian, you know, aspirational track? Yeah, because that's what I really want to see, and I haven't had yeah. that itch scratch for a decade. That's what we need, man. Yeah, and we're we're now wallowing in grim track, and I'm finding it compelling. And it's really cool. Let this be the pathway towards you know new, new a good good new aspirational track. And I, I do think there's some hope in this series. I think Picard, you know, maintains some hope. They talk about um, despite it episode, its yeah. yeah its grim dark nature but like yeah it's definitely darker and more dystopian i think than old star trek mm-hmm. uh all right star trek tech talk does anybody actually want transparent semi-transparent screens these these <laughs> things i i can't imagine that they're going to be really useful like I, just imagine if your if your television had no back, yeah, and you put it in front of basically just whatever was sitting behind it. Like, let's mm-hmm. say you got a whole shelf of books or something mm-hmm. behind your screen, and you can half see the books through the screen, distracting. And you can half see the screen because of the books. It's real bad. It's real annoying. But yeah. I feel like every it's a every single too. like like when your back of your screen goes opaque because you've entered private, you know, Mozilla. 20 40 99 mode people are gonna be like are you watching porn on your terminal ensign yeah why why is it why did your back of your screen go opaque yeah if you've got uh, nothing to hide why isn't it transparent huh? yeah you get a text it? from your girlfriend like what what is what's going on here yeah i just don't think it's very useful and I, I see this like from i think like minority report is this way and just like anything that has like sort of hollow screens or floating interfaces will do this semi-transparent effect that is in my opinion, just bad. Yeah. Like just having not a useful. screen that you can dismiss at any time. It's not yeah. physically there is amazing. Super useful. Because like you can clear your desk just, you know, with a touch of the button, but having it be, like you said, completely transparent, not, no, it's not great. It's not yeah. Great. Let's move on here to Rios and Rafi talking about Picard and seven and how strange this cargo is. Um, and Rios just can't get over who he's got on board. Now he's got a famous starship captain. <laughs> an admiral uh and he's got seven the ex-borg fenris ranger from the delta quadrant as the, he the notorious constructs. ranger nine of eleven or yeah right <laughs> 99 of eleven right uh we also see something teased uh raffi looking into his gabriel Huang wow. character yeah um and I, I I don't know. It's it, they also this scene serves to remind anyone who hadn't seen, forgot or had, didn't remember or has not seen Star Trek before that Picard is an ex Borg. Right. Right. Yeah. I guess have they not mentioned that in this series? I don't I know. Don't... That's just part of my built-in knowledge of Picard. Yeah, at this so point. Saying, like, they might have, but like that's what this scene is for, just to yeah. make sure everyone knows. Like, oh, she's the Borg too. And he's yeah. an ex Borg, and that's why they might have a special relationship, just just to help you along, which I appreciate. That's 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 pretty good. That's pretty good writing. Mm-hmm. And then in the next scene, uh, they change the relationship of Gerardi and Bruce Maddox a bit with them making cookies and kissing. Yeah, uh, she you can tell she really misses him. Had a May November kind of uh, student teacher romance going mm-hmm. on. Uh, I th- thought it. I thought it was really interesting to show that she doesn't understand why you would want to cook a real cookie from replicated ingredients yeah. where I'm like, nah, man, let the replicated cookies are fucking, you know, chips ahoy. Mm-hmm. That shit's got to go. I want my grandma's cookie recipe and I can replicate my own flour. God damn it. And 
Yeah, I think that would be better. I think cooking has to be a lost art in the Federation, mm. right? I bet it is. That's why Benjamin Sisko's dad can still make the big bucks slinging, <laughs> right. slinging uh, Creole. New Orleans, yeah. Yeah, slinging Creole in San Francisco, yeah. Uh-huh. Because everyone's it's... forgot how to make a really good uh, uh, crawfish etouffee. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, he's making that muffalata. He knows what's up. Uh and then we go to the crew being harassed by virtual advertising as they approach free cloud. Can you not block these? Can these things can just go through your ship? Like it seems like it's probably a, a, a agreement. There's probably some like partnership between the ship manufacturer and the advertising companies. Oh my God. The like say, Hey, build in these, these hardware systems where they can't block this shit. Or maybe like to enter the space, uh, like to to bur- to dock at a berth or whatever. You have to accept that's, these. That's how you pay for your docking fees. But they're all customized for everyone. Like Picard's getting slung, uh-huh. you know, a cup of tea, and uh, Rios is getting offered a hot rod engine upgrade. <laughs> they get the Rafi, <laughs> and this like Rastafarian holographic alien is offering her, you know, to get snake bit with the snake leaf juice, and uh-huh. she's like. Feely's Venom Garden. I You're love bl- it. Blowing up my spot here, man. I'm the one uh, recovering snake leaf addict on the ship, and you're you're making a hard on me. Yeah, this is our dystopian future. Welcome yeah. to it. Yeah. Because uh, this shit is real. This shit will 100% happen. It was already happening. Uh, every time you see an ad, it's probably chosen for you based on your interests. Yep. So get used to that. Uh, yeah, and then the weird one to me is Gerardi just being punched by a robot over and over well, again. Well, it's because it was, it was, um, uh, I thought that was weird too, but they were trying to, re- it's a recruiter. They, they, this is like some kind of uh, robotics institute, uh, robotics entertainment institute that wants her to work for them because she's just respected. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So it's like, hey, build it, like, help us build combat robots. And we're, this is to get you interested in it. But hmm. I did have a problem because I felt like this was, I understand why they did it. So it it sells the thing at the end a little bit more. But I thought they went a little overboard selling her kind of really squeamish at violence and killing and whether she can do her role in the mission or not when she's going to murder her lover in cold blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I've, I've, this, this little, like her doing, her fight, beating the robot and all the crew cheering and then her and Rios doing a bro fist or whatever they did. Uh, it's a little, little, little much. Yeah, I think so. Um, so in this scene, also, Rafi finds Maddox with Bejazel. And Seven comes up with a plan to trade herself for Maddox. Uh, what are facers? What so, What is facer supposed to mean? I think a facer is like a go-between. Like well, I know the- what a facer is in mm-hmm. the context of this episode. What does facers mean? Because in the captions, it's an apostrophe facers. Oh, the, so it's short for something, huh? But I have no idea. I looked up Star I thought, Trek like, faces. Face is I, like literally like that's a front that you like. It's a good like you know this person's. Re- it's kind of like a lawyer, only like a shady version of it, right? Um, yeah, it's a know. broker. It's a it's a black market broker essentially. Yeah, yeah, like but Captain like, McCluskey and Godfather. They, you know? they seem to just want us to know what Facers was, and I, I didn't. I don't know if it stands for something else. Hmm. Yeah, or short for something. I don't know. Interfacers. Inter- uh, ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Maybe. Yeah. It's no, you're blowing my mind. Computer language. I just assumed it was just like that. It's literally just a face, you know. Right. Like a fence. You're representing or a front somebody. Or, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh. All right. Let's move on to Rafi dressing up the crew as facers and Rios going down to start a city to meet with Bajazel. 
who I still have as the Jaisal in my notes. Uh, he tells this, uh, what is it? Reptiloid, sentient reptiloid named Vop. That yep. He's here to trade seven for Maddox and this dude's interested. Uh, the plan here is to beam seven down, grab Bruce Maddox and then beam everybody back up. Yeah, and like I said, I I, I kind of like this setup where, you know, this Bejazzle's already got a deal with the Tal Shiar to trade uh, Maddox, and they've already established that this these people, for some reason, Borg implants are super expensive. They, they didn't really establish why a Borg implant would be super expensive on the black market, but they are. Yeah. And 7 of 9 is loaded with them. Um, and she's kind of like, you know, a giant bar of gold press Latin under these. So it's like this, I kind of thought it all tracked. And I think it's really entertaining how, you know, Rafi is able, she's the hacker. She sliced him into the Facers Guild and she's dressing them all flamboyant and Mm -hmm. explaining like why they're going to send them down and look so silly. Um, and I liked Elnor, who is a disciple of the way of absolute candor, not even understanding what they're doing. He's like, it's like, you know, like that, that's a pretty cool concept of person. And he gets excited about a lie. Like, oh, oh, this is a lie. Yeah. Like, oh, I've heard about these, but obviously has no idea. And then there's, it pays off later when the shit goes bad, when he's like, are Mm -hmm. we not pretending anymore? And I I, I thought some of this stuff was really good. No, I think the character writing is good here. It's, there's something about the format of the show, Mm -hmm. which was just serialized. It doesn't give them sort of the the space they need like it it almost gives them too much space it's weird because like in a tng episode you'd have this away mission lasting basically the whole episode yeah and you'd have a lot of opportunities and a lot of moments to really get in and just like be in that weird away mission era like strange era type space right here you get like five minutes of it 10 minutes of it well in total and none of it is fun it's all just very bland and i feel like i thought it was fun the the picard is the funnest thing in there easily Mm -hmm. like rios is not fun at all like rios should be that's swaggering rios should be lando calrissian times 10 here and he's nothing. He's a wet fart of a character in this episode. They, they really. So they. They. I. I. I, I agree. Because when I first saw Rios, I thought he's essentially Han Solo and Lando Calrissian mixed right. together. But then over the next couple episodes, they're like, oh, no, he's actually this a straight-laced yeah. uh, Starfleet officer with existential problems. Like, but like all of the swashbuckle was gone. But he and needs then when to he be beat, that here. But, but like, I was like, okay, they're also, I think, maybe going for Kirk on uh, you know, 1980s San Francisco. That like Kirk is swashbuckling. Kirk is a kind of swagger, but he's out of his element. Uh, and he's like, double dumbass on you. This guy's ordering Man, double umbrella. They, you know, <laughs> here's what they should have done. They should have taken the Irish version of him and had him go down to the planet with them. Be a ho- be like a hollow character or something. Yeah. Like it wouldn't work with the repti- reptiloids like yeah. smelling senses. But you needed a more fun character. You needed somebody to really bring it in those scenes. Yeah. To punch up the what is effectively just a bunch of exposition and a boring boring and they dress it up with the oceans 11 standoff it's where, like where they've got here's the set piece and here's how you're going to overcome it and they go but i felt like that was a mechanism they used to get around how boring yeah. the dialogue and the characters were in this well i appreciate it though in this I, I just wish you're right I, I wish that they would get figure out what uh rios is supposed to be is rios this hard scrabble captain who's been making his way out in the stars without starfleet for 10 years and he's bitter and he's seen some shit and he's street smart 
or is he essentially Wesley Crusher who's dis- disillusioned? Because this feels like yeah. Wesley Crusher who's disillusioned rather than like you know like imagine Riker like it would have been so run, fucking running good. The, like an unlicensed freighter for a fucking decade. And Riker then going doesn't go down, down there and order double umbrellas and need a fucking three foot feather to look like he's got some swagger. Yeah. And Rios. And, and if you put him in that outfit and you had him do the double umbrellas, he would bring it. Yeah. He'd be yeah. so good in that. He role. would be. He would be. He'd have to set phasers to stun and like stun metal bikini wearing <laughs> Orion slave girls left and right. Oh, yeah. Just just get the mission accomplished. Two umbrellas. How about two ladies he slept with in the first five minutes? Because <laughs> right, that's what right. would happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Rios just didn't bring anything to it, and I'm I'm sad. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted more from this episode. Uh, so we move on to Rafi finding who she's looking for uh, from uh, in Free Cloud and says goodbye to Picard before beaming out. She's been looking for her son, Gabe. Uh, Gabe Huang? I, I don't know how you say that. Huh? It's a long H. A very yeah. long, very not silent H. Yeah. Uh, they have a complicated past of addiction and conspiracy and neglect, which they rehash in the lobby this, of this, this Stardust yeah. City Health Services this set, because like, um, you know, uh, long-term Bald Move fans know I've got a somewhat checkered relationship with uh, my parental figures, specifically my mother. And watching this person come back into her son's life with this affect, like not leading with, hey, I was wrong. I did you dirty. Um, but, but like trying to play this as almost like a joke, like a meet cute where this guy and he's not having it. Yeah. He's like, fuck you. You tore up her family. And I don't know because there's a little... There's the part of this that works where she's like Sarah Connor and that she's talking crazy, but she's right. Mm-hmm. But then there's another part of this where she's also a drug addict and they should have never fucking meddled, added that to her character, I think, because it fucks it all up. Like if Sarah Connor, in addition to having these crazy delusions about cybernetic entities coming back to kill them all, was also a heroin addict... It would be, you know, like when she's proven right, you know, John Connor can't be like, oh, man, it's kind of messed up how I thought my mom was crazy and blah, blah, blah. Well, you remove all of her conspiracy thinking that she's and she, that she's entirely right about, about these artificial life and the conspiracy with the Romulan. She's still a fucking addict and which is a huge which which could piss off her son. in a, So there's never going to. And I, I know they're gearing towards them having a reconciliation where he no. realizes like John Connor, mama's always right. But that wasn't the only problem. And I think it was a big fuck up, like, to stack up this many flaws in, in the, her relationship with her. And again, maybe they'll play it off realistically where she's proven right, but her son still keeps her distance because she, he can't trust her to be clean. Because even now she's lying to him. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm clean. I'm clean. And again, I just I don't... saw you hit that snake leaf vase. Right. And I thought Bullshit. snake leaf was like marijuana. Apparently it's more like meth. Oh, or yeah. like as you pointed out, like a like a gateway. It's a gateway drug to the, she to shoots the benzos. Up with, she shoots the... up Rios with like some super space ludes. And... Dude, yeah, she's got a she's got a cocktail of yeah, drugs that the, she uses all. That the she time. shoots him up without any his consent. Uh-huh. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. What? Where was the emergency emergency medical hologram about with that? You know, yeah. like I see you're about to shoot up my employer with God knows what. <laughs> What is the nature of your your drug hallucination? Um, and yeah. is this is this something where she knows because because his wife is there, right? And she's pregnant. That's the whole reason they're at this facility. Mm. She's got to know that that that's the case. I, does is she, she, like she was surprised though? Why would he be at a reproductive health services facility in the lobby waiting? If 
Right. He, like, what reason other than his wife is pregnant would he have for being there? But did she, she think he's working there? I don't know, because, again, like, they didn't, they, keeping this mysterious um, didn't let us in on any of that stuff. Because she's a hacker. She could have just found his location and met him there, not even realize what the facility was. But, yeah, yeah, I don't know. And I guess it was, like, a caption or something that told me that. Is so. she a Vulcan? Is she a Romulan? She looked Vulcan to me. Uh, she looked Rom. She looked Vulcan. Um, and I know that I think there's a subtle distinction between Vulcans and Romulans. Mm-hmm. Um, but she had the, she kind of acted like uh, a little Romulan. Like she, 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 she had some emotion. Romulans have a little more going on in the T zone, right? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, a, little, a few more bumps. Yeah, I think so too. But yeah. I also think there's like there's, she had some emotion. Like she was not yeah. like entirely logical about okay. the meeting of the mother. But maybe not. Maybe I'd have to go back and look. Not, Vulcans haven't been entirely consistent in how they're portrayed throughout Star Trek. It's true. Maybe so. she's got uh, what Sarah had. Maybe she means she's, she's half Vulcan. Yeah, there you go. She's a Spock. All right, we're back in the club, and Picard shows Bajazel his trade, and Bajazel knows Seven, and Picard's crew gets guns pointed at him. Like I said, it's pretty standard boring shit that happens yeah. once they're there. Yeah. Although I did like. Uh, Picard acting up the French accent like when he's on the planet when he's in the club that's that's the Picard who you know goes for it like when Loxana Troy is begging for Picard <laughs> yeah. to you know proclaim uh-huh. his love so that she can uh-huh. come back to the ship and yeah. not end up with this Ferengi uh-huh. he goes for it right sure. he does it he can do it when he needs to mm-hmm. these are the scenes that I like with Picard and he's really going like the stuff he's saying to Seven of Nine is like yeah. really fucking brutal. Like you know, oh, yeah. it's, it's like he's using a lot of uh, uh, a, a lot of uh, metaphor here that is 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 uncomfortable and kind of vile. But he's also playing a pretty bad dude. Yeah. Like he's having a shit off with the lizard man. Like you'll have to slash her and dash her. Oh, are you are you squeamish? <laughs> Which I gotta say. We know the lizard man's not squeamish. They do this mm-hmm. to Borg all the time. What was the what was the lizard man's hesitation? Like, why was he stroking his chin? Like, I don't know. Just, uh... I think he was he was anticipating it. He he or he was. Oh, he's looking forward to looking it? forward to uh, dissecting her. I thought maybe it's still because like uh, they they had this question about like what could possibly be worth reneging on the Tal Shiar. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good question. Like, are Borg implants that fucking? But the thing is, is like. Also, Seven of Nine is worth more to this lady than just the sum of her parts, too, mm. which I thought they did, like, they didn't do a really good job for me explaining, like, what their backstory was. Um, I guess they did. Yeah, she posed as a ranger to gain her trust just so she could mm-hmm. probably try to get the boy's implants and hers, too, and she's the one that got kind of like the that one collector dude with Data. Um, collector dude. Yeah, the guy who was collect collected unique things and he kidnapped data. Like, like Uh data got away, and if he hadn't of, I don't know what what ever happened to that guy. Data tried to kill him, but he probably went to Starfleet prison. Yeah, I I remember he didn't shoot him. He like had the Romulan disruptor or whatever the hell the. Mm Uh, whatever race disruptor, and he never shot on T disruptor. Baron T. Mm -hmm. Oh boy. Got that encyclopedic knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> Just stops at season two of Voyager and doesn't really <laughs> right. doesn't really kick back in until this season of Picard, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, so then we go to Gerardi up on the ship, psyching herself up for something, and the EMH offers her a sedative, and then Rios calls to tell her that she might need to beam the crew out uh, a little early and to be ready. 
Yeah, this is um. I, there's a couple of things I like about this. I like the fact that they have a, a portrayed her as this milk toast who's very uncomfortable with any kind of action, mm-hmm. and you think she's freaking out about her on that. As, as I was watching this episode, it's like, why is she? First of all, I never forgot that she was probably a, a, a double agent. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was thinking, why is she freaking out about essentially beaming a couple people up? It's like a push button procedure. Yeah, but she's not. She's worried that she's going to be able to go through with killing Maddox. I think. Yeah. That's why like she's she's being psychologically unstable. It is weird though that like what dialogue is Rio's hearing? He's down in the bar and he's listening and is does he listen to the fight between the EMS and her? Because it seems like a no. Know. But what mechanism yeah. would keep him from hearing that? And why doesn't he like why is the EMH freaking out? Like, could they have a dialogue where like it seems like he's he's um not exactly on great terms with his emergency met, uh, holograms. Why could well, he's sh- deep in that benzo trip? Like, oh, he's, that's true. I mean, he's on sedatives and he's on uppers, downers, inners, outers. He's on everything. That's true. Man. But that, that was also because like other than that one scene where it kicks in, it doesn't it's not really part of the plot. Like he's a dead eye right. aim later on. He's like got like this super, super steely gaze when he's talking to uh, Gerardi here. Uh, I, I don't yeah. know. I thought it was weird that he. She's she's talking all this mess and freaking out and all that stuff and he's just like, hey, uh, can you say over and out? <laughs> right. Is this your first time on a fucking communicator, lady? Come uh, on, what the fuck? I, I do like her dialogue here, like this this affirmative over out whatever mm, yeah. thing that she's doing because like she's not used to this and mm-hmm. uh, it's a lot to get your head around immediately. Uh, the the other thing that I have questions about is deactivating an EMH. When you're in the midst of a psychological emergency, yeah, what does that mean? Like when I say deactivate EMH, what happens? Obviously, the EMH goes away, uh-huh. but there must be some kind of like timer that prevents them from just immediately rematerializing <laughs> yeah. and going. Please state the nature of your psychological. Or when you're emergency. murdering someone medically in the sick bay, like you can just dismiss <laughs> that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. There, there's got to be some timer. There's got to be. Yeah, a thing. there's, there's got to, or there's also got to be some like laws of Asimov, like observed mm-hmm. here. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I guess Star Trek's never really rolled with the three laws, but no, seems like a weird emergency medical holograph that you can just in the middle of a emergency you can just dismiss. You can just you know, and it doesn't just immediately come like this back. isn't a fucking Windows update. People are dying, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know. All right, we go over to Jazel and or Bejazel and Seven, uh, who are kind of going over their history together in a in a standoff here. Seven seems to have been her minion at one point, but she got away, and then Seven busts out of her cuffs and turns the tables on Bejazel. Uh, Seven tells Picard to take Maddox, but Picard demands an explanation, and she says, uh, Bejazel wanted the parts from another ex-Borg friend of hers, this Echeb guy, the one she killed at the beginning of the episode, and the, she tortured the guy to get it. And this is revenge for that. And Bejazel offers Maddox for her own life, and Rios thinks, yeah, that's a good deal. So they make the trade, and they head back to the ship, where Seven uh, asks for two phasers before uh, giving him some vigilante token, I guess. Some, hey, if you ever need anything, yeah, let, does let the rangers that, know. That, that's like, an, like a, a ranger alert, or is it like a seven of nine alert? Probably ranger. Okay. Because I'm wondering if we'll ever see Jerry Ryan again, or if he if he activates in the future, we'll just get some. I'm almost certainly will other cool action hero. But uh, yeah, they didn't really they didn't really point that out. No, you don't call you don't call Jerry Ryan for one episode. You might call Bruce Maddox. You might call Brian Brophy. Yeah, for one episode, but <laughs> Jerry Ryan. She I just, works. I, I still think like I'm looking at Jonathan Frank's directing this many episodes. I'm like. 
It would have really been so bad to have uh, Captain Riker instead of Captain Rios. No, but... Yeah. Like, like a past his prime CD uh, Riker uh, as the captain of the Las uh-huh. Sarina or whatever it is. Uh, God, I, mm. Yeah, what would Riker look like 14 years on? Uh, I mean, he didn't get devastated by the Federation essentially turning on him, but... I mean, I think you'd have to put that in, like, because, yeah, like, or like Starfleet purged all Picard loyalists. Wouldn't that be kind of fun? Hmm. Like, if all of the bridge crew of the Enterprise D and E got exiled hmm. from Starfleet, and and it, this was a, just Picard putting together a squad. Yeah, you know, Jordy's like, "You son of a bitch, I'm in." Like, he just goes to every one of them. You know, Worf is a senator and high Klingonia, and. Hmm. And he goes there with uh, one of those blades with the things that that out, and uh-huh. he's call, I'm calling him a debt, Worf. <laughs> Worf takes the sash off, throws on a communicator. That'd have been that'd have been cool. Picard's eleven or whatever. Uh, there is a discussion here between Seven and Picard about their humanity and how much of that they've regained since being deassimilated, uh, which I think is going to be interesting. Like mm-hmm. that that stuff to me is sort of. The, you know the shades of the old character um tempered by 14 years that he's still grappling with those issues is yeah, it tracks we saw him uh you know wrestle through that uh, wrestle with his uh borg identity throughout his uh the 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 series and the movies so yep. it's uh that's that's one point that definitely does track yeah i do hope they get more into that uh since seven head heads back down to the club with picard's phasers and double barrels bejazel then begins shooting her way out. Turns her into a fine pink mist. That was pretty, pretty. That's a fe- I think that's a Federation phaser too. Like it's got it's yeah. got a pulp setting on it. Apparently, uh-huh. pretty metal. Pretty yeah, the, metal. The phasers are a little different now. Like they're they're shooting sort of bolts rather than like solid beams. I think that's yeah. That's that's like a Borg. That's when the Borg. Uh, that's like a variable frequency phaser type of thing. Yeah, they're they're going back to modified it yeah yeah after because i think the, that was also true in first contact right mm-hmm. they had the kind of more of a plasma rifle than a phaser rifle type of deal yeah um so maddox is then treated for his injuries as they talk about dodge and soji oh, before we move on uh i i wish they gave jerry ryan a little bit better action because she essentially just mm-hmm. you know commandos like walks in a straight line it's terrible it's yeah. terrible action, but yeah, like they they could have staged it in a way where like she's just killing them as they come in the door and getting to jump at them. But like I, it's so so fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger commando to have a dude, a yeah. person standing straight and tall and just mowing down dudes with or, or Terminator. Like yeah, in Terminator you buy it because he's a machine and like nothing. She's kind of. But is she? I never got that X Borg were somehow. Oh, she augmented. would die if she got shot by a phaser rifle. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but like when she's got her hand around Bejazel's neck, mm-hmm. I I guess I'm supposed to understand that she could just snap her neck and kill her. So, yeah, she's super strong. Why? Because she's got those the, the, the X Borg exoskeleton in that hand. That silicone glove's gonna help her out. <laughs> <laughs> That's a titanium duranium uh, mesh, Jim. Oh, I see. Yeah, with enhanced servos, mm. cybernetic strength. Come it looked on, looked a lot like silicone to me. You can, you can, you can. <laughs> it is funny how uh, high def is not so kind on those uh, latex Borg implants. Oh, as yeah. the old standard def uh, TVs are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like I don't I don't think Duranium can can raise with your eyebrow or like like they're doing with Jerry yeah. Ryan here. In my mind, she's like about to pick up a pan out of a hot oven, not snap somebody's <laughs> neck with their augmented strength. Sure. But 
sure. you gonna do? But yeah, have her do a have her do a combat role. Have yeah. her take some cover. Like Something. I believe that she's you got like some kind of Borg implant with targeting and she's probably a little bit quicker and stronger, but like, you know, but you didn't use any of that. And no. the, the choreography has been so good in these fights yes. up till now. Why not? I think they wanted it to be like, she is like a Terminator. And I just think it's a misunderstanding of, but again, yeah. Stop watching Voyager in season two. So don't listen to anything I have to say <laughs> about seven of nine. It's invalid. Yep. Same here. Uh, all right. So Maddox treated for his injuries as they, t- as Picard and him talk about Dodge and Soji. Maddox tells Picard that Soji is on the artifact to find the truth about the synthetic ban, and he warns Picard that the Federation might also be involved in the hunt. Which for we Soji. already know because yes. of Commander O. But now Commodore Picard o. knows it. Now Picard knows that's yeah. true. Um, so he should be suspicious of everyone lurking in the background of scenes. Yeah, he should be especially suspicious of the person he brought on his crew with no background analysis. Mm-hmm. That showed up at a suspiciously convenient time at a chateau during a Tal Shiar, <laughs> super Tal Shiar raid. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he should be suspicious of the spaceship, the person on the spaceship that just flew in and saved their asses from the Romulan yeah. uh, warbird for apparently no reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. None of that. Yeah. Maybe they should have had him wear double eye patch and like uh, Rio said, the double umbrella. That way he could believably not see any of these things right in front of his face. <laughs> there you go, double eye patch. <laughs> One eye patch, that's passe. passe. That's, uh, you you got to get very sinister. There was talk. The two eye patches. From Maddox about a mom AI that it was embedded in Soji. Yeah, I think that's when she talks to her mother. I think that's literally like this this protective AI that keeps her full knowledge and ability. I from never her. got that from previous scenes i didn't either I but only it, I, got it from when he literally came out and said it yeah but i it, it instantly tracked like oh uh-huh. instead of having because like the other way that could work is like uh you just have a person paid to be their mom and they mm-hmm. staff the phone but it's like they're robots so just have it be like a higher level thing that can make them pass out when they get little rambunctious and can activate sounds combat like, abilities when they're threatened seems like maddox has made even better versions of data at this point like it seems perfectly imperfect right as he describes it uh because he's got like added functions i don't think data ever had like a section of his memory that was sort of cordoned off with a separate ai inside of it right well no i mean the so the way dr noonian soon summoned him back to his lab the first time that was like a hidden Mm -hmm. subroutine that was activated by a subspace signal where yeah just not data not a separate ai I mean, what is that guiding. if not a separate AI? If it's something yeah, that it's in Data's brain he's not aware of? It's like, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's a primitive version of the mom AI. It's the the dad AI. Very primitive. It's not as attentive. Yeah. <laughs> not, as, not as emotionally developed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then we go to Picard telling Rios that they have to go into Romulan space to get the art, to get to the artifact, and Rafi's back on the ship, but he's she's locked in her quarters. Uh, uh, can I ask you a question? Yeah. So Rio says, oh, Romulan space. I'm going to have to double my fee. And Picard kind of smirks at him, and he smirks back, and then they laugh. What? Are, are they making fun of me, concerned about the show's economics still? I think so. Yeah, because there, like, there is no fee here. The fee is nothing. Why isn't there a fee? He's not a Federation pilot. There's, uh, there's be- economic inequality. Because his inequality. resources are unlimited. Like... Mm. He's got replicators, right? But how are his resources unlimited? Like, I don't know. Where does his energy come from? I That's don't know. I know. Where does he get his uh, Does he have dilithium crystals? Yeah. Where does he get his high-grade Federation weaponry? Where do you get the starship? 
Like what? Yeah. Like the I the they they ah. Again. All good questions because Soji I, or Dodge didn't have any of those. Yeah, things. you can't just have these characters raise it and laugh in my face. Come on, like you can. Like I buy okay because like I buy that Picard can afford it. Like they've established that he's wealthy. Mm-hmm. So like, why is the laughter? Like Picard's just like, oh, I'll just have to, you know, sell more Chateau Picard. <laughs> Gonna have to, have to cut into the my seventy-eight reserve. Yep. Like, yeah, why the laugh? I don't, I don't get it. I don't know. I think they don't want you to think too hard about it. Oh, uh, well. Shit. <laughs> uh, and then the last scene is Gerardi and Maddox reunited long enough for her to kill Maddox while apologizing profusely. Mm. If I, I wish I you knew what I know. I wish they hadn't shown me. I wish I didn't know it. I wish they didn't know it. That must have been some fucking Federation PowerPoint that, Command, that Commodore O yeah. showed her that has her just instantly believe her over her lover and like want I, to kill her you just yeah, watch man. mr robot i miss i mistrust anything that anybody shows anybody else yeah like what did she actually show her yeah i don't i don't know the future because there is a time travel potential here yeah. in this show so, so I'm, I'm watching season two of dark on netflix and that's a very timey wimey series and it's kind of becoming amusing to me that there's this one character that everyone's manipulating to try to destroy the timeline and every single time he finds a new character he like instantly switches there it's like you know it's like he meets this one character and he gets and then he meets himself from the future and you'd think you would trust yourself from the future and he's going along that path until he meets i don't know his sister from 30 years ago and like every single time he just instantly i feel like that's a gerardi like whoever talked to her last you know, if, if Bruce Maddox had been able to say like two coherent sentences to her as he's dead, choking to death, she would have instantly <laughs> repented and yeah. he could have sent her against Commodore O. Uh, so she is a cybernetic expert. I had a little problem with the EMS witnessing this murder and not alerting anyone in the crew. I, I But I do believe that she could hack it to where this is not a problem. I wish they had shown they something. didn't show anything. Yeah. yeah, that she was working on some kind of furtive program that when if you freeze frame that you could see is the EMH programming. Because, you know, yeah. not seeing that, my first thought is, why doesn't EMH alert everyone on the crew or on the bridge what's happening? Um, how is she going to explain that she didn't kill this guy when the EMHs watched her kill him? But I think she's just there. She's just going to hack it. Yeah, we'll see next. Or episode. maybe not. Maybe she's done her job and the crew is going to know that she's suspect and that's it. That's her arc. Yeah. You know, she's going to be spending the rest of the time in the hollow brig. <laughs> yeah. Watch out. She might be able to reprogram it. <laughs> right. Right. Put her in a real brig. Mm. Like, yeah, that's true. You want you want actual maybe weld bars. the door shut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe you want a physical restraint on on the person that can hack holograms. Yeah, good point. Uh, that's it for the episode. Do yeah. you have any feedback or anything? We do. Uh, of course, you can send us uh, your subspace transmissions to Picard at baldmove.com got a couple of emails from uh, last week's business. Dustin uh, responding to, I think this is us asking like, what's the deal with Counselor Troy? Did she have a military rank? Why didn't she have a military rank? Aren't chaplains in our current military have rank? Dustin did the research for us. Uh, Did a little Google search. Military chaplains do indeed hold commissioned officer ranks. I read that while they do hold rank and the rights and authority appropriate to the rank, they do not have command authority. Hmm. This is consistent with MASH, where Father McCauley uh, was a lieutenant. I'm sorry. I'm going to confess I haven't seen MASH. I don't know all the characters. I know Radar. Hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, they are one or there are one or two episodes which focus on attempts at rank promotion as well. I don't know why a ship's counselor that sits on the bridge doesn't have a formal rank within Starfleet. Well, she does, right? She, she does, eventually she doesn't gets have one. command power. Yeah, but they never refer to her as like Ensign Troy or Lieutenant Troy. She doesn't have any rank yeah. insignia on her it's collar counselor. until she goes through the Starfleet command authority training and does the Kobayashi Maru. And now she, then she starts wearing a blue uniform and has mm-hmm. some pips on her collar. So I don't know, but she also wasn't wearing a Starfleet uniform. It's just, oh, well, she yeah, did. Like I she, mean, she wore the mini skirt before they realized it was too pervy. So they put her in a seven of nine style stretch, stretch spandex. Yeah, no bulge to the imagination. I don't know. It's a, it's a mixed bag there. These these treks through stars. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. It's not completely analogous to our military. So it's true. It's true too. It's it's. Quite it's, analogous. It's but... like a it's like a science slash military arm yeah. of the Federation. So thanks for that, Dustin. Let's move on to John. We're four episodes in now in a ten episode season. Of course, this is for last week's show. Mm-hmm. Do we think the terrible secret of the Zat Vash will be revealed this season, or is that a series long arc? And what do you think the big secret might be? Hmm. We're told this is such a terrible secret it would break your brain to know it. It's a pretty big bar they set up and uh, that they now have to clear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any any takers on whether they'll actually clear that bar? Probably not. Uh, either they don't reveal it at all, and that would be bad writing, or they reveal it and it's nowhere near as brain-breaking as they set up. Mm-hmm. I mean... I wouldn't put them past put it past it put it, it past them to do some kind of really mind-blowing time travel, cybernetic you know like yeah, the romulans speculation that the romulans might have created the borg yeah uh if done well i could get behind that sure if done poorly i definitely wouldn't right and that's like anything it's yeah. all about it's uh, it's it's number one you got to have a quality idea and then most importantly you have to execute it at a very high level yeah. and star trek's a bit of a mis- mixed bag picard may be more mixed than most um so uh, John continues, what could it be? We're told that Zatvash reformed, and when they formed the Tal Shiar, on top of that, to protect the secret, we know that Zatvash roughly translates to secrets of the dead, basically suggesting this is a secret you must die rather than reveal. When we were introduced to this whole idea in episode one, it came with a, did you ever notice that Romulans are against synthetic life? They have no AI and no androids. Mm-hmm. We know that we have a, a reclaimed Borg cube and a bunch of Romulans that went insane when they were assimilated. I think they even said that these were the first Romulans ever assimilated, which can't be right. And in fact, is not. Season six had assimilated Romulans. Uh, so something, something Borg, something, something AI, something, something Romulans is in the mix. <laughs> are the Romulans descended from the androids? Are they, uh, are they all what Picard calls organic synthetics? That would be interesting if Romulans are actually some sort of chrono species that is some kind of blend of ex Borg drones that colonize Romulus like in prehistory, but that would break a lot of Star Trek lore. Yeah. Aren't they just like an offshoot of the the Vulcans and the Romulans at one point, the same society. I thought the Vulcans, the schism was over logic versus emotion. Yeah. Like Vulcan uh, Romulans are to Vulcans the way Americans are to British, the the British. Like we, we are the, the Romulans are all of the (laughs) uh, fundamentalist heretic assholes that got exiled to another continent because they were too big of a bummer. Sarek was there for the, the Vulcan logic party. Yeah. Where they threw, they threw all, all the Romulans, logic. yeah, all, <laughs> all the Romulans into the sea. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Romulans got pissed off, and they said, "What? It's just water." Yeah, yeah. 
Um, is this going in a Battlestar Galactica direction when we're all not just Romulans, but all humanoids descended from Cylons, but they're indistinguishable from organic life? Are the Zat Vash somehow aware of different times or different timelines, like the Kelvin universe where Romulans was Romulus was never destroyed? Or do the Romulans end up becoming the Borg in the future and the Zat Vash are future Romulans using Borg technology to travel into the past and push the <laughs> timeline away from this? Man. We have seen the Borg travel back in time to fix timelines. Did the Zat Vash ever come back to stop the creation of the Borg? But the future Borg also allowed them back. Do we want this much time travel fuckery in Picard? Um, man, time travel fuckery is really tricky. Mm. Uh when it's done well, it's really amazing and thought-provoking, but it's weird because audiences are a lot more sophisticated than they used to do, be. Like, you, things you could get away with in, like, Terminator in in terms of creating paradoxes are stuff that people would just be hard no on today. Mm. So I think... But I don't know. Are people willing to turn their brains off and kind of do, like, sci-fi fantasy versions of time travel for Star Trek? I guess they probably would. You know. I don't know. It's, it was a lot easier for me to turn my brain off for something like TNG, mm-hmm. where the point of the episode was not, look at this cool plot we've developed. Yeah. The point of the episode was, look at the moral quandary sure. that we've posed yeah. and look at the solutions and think about your own solutions. This is very much plot-focused, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, it's you're going to have to come up with a really compelling story because that's what people are here for. Yeah, it's one of those puzzle mystery boxes. Yeah, so it's a lot higher bar to clear. Yeah. Because, you know, what we've seen, you know, we've been covering these shows for almost a decade now. Uh, Whether fan base feels like it's rewarding or not is entirely dependent upon whether that mystery box is worth opening and solving. Mm -hmm. Like, you can have a show that really executes on a very high level, um, technically acting, uh, set decoration, stunt work. And if the reveal is not worth all the theory that people put onto it in the Internet and on message boards, people are going to hate it. That's just the way it is. So uh, I, I'm not sure why they went with the puzzle box uh, version of Star Trek, but they are setting themselves up for. As far as which one, yeah. the, the guess I, I I have no idea. Uh, I have either. no idea. It, it's also uh, it's going to have a layer of like spiritis, spirit spirit spirituality and mysticism on it, which is another thing that I'm not. What they did this with, I don't know. I guess they'd started this with Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. but even then, it's like you understand that the Bajoran prophets weren't actual gods; they yeah. were wormhole creatures. They were worshipped as such, right? Yeah. So, as like, gods. you know, actually, pro- pro- prophecy and stuff. Like, I don't really truck with that in my Star Trek, but if they've actually found a way to manipulate timelines and they talk about that as prophecy, that that could be interesting, mm-hmm. an interesting way to take it. We'll have to see. Uh, Tyson says, I'm glad you're doing a Star Trek series. I was always hoping you would. Well, we finally finally found one, and the, the time is right, and we jumped on it. What do you think of the light flares or glares or whatever is the best term that Picard and Discovery are constantly using on screen? I personally find them very distracting and annoying. I'm always being taken out of the scene when they show up and then end up missing some of the conversation or action. Does everyone in the future get a botched LASIK surgery? Is this how the world looks to them? Are the flares some kind of new infectious alien species no one can do anything about? Yeah, Why did Star like Trek when insist Barclay, on doing this? Uh, when Barkley was in the transporter and he saw the, the entity swimming around in it, that's essentially what 
lens flares are. Yeah, they're entities swimming in the vision. He's got to gra- <laughs> He's got to grab him and hug him. That's uh-huh. the only way that the uh, they'll, they'll they'll be removed. Turn to humans again. The transporters. That's a it's a weird episode. It's a real weird episode. Yeah. Why did human fra- uh, warp pattern scatter in a warp beam look like space worms? I don't know. Really but weird. They did. Uh, so I think this is uh, this is J.J. Abrams. Uh-huh. Uh, people associate Star Trek with fucking out of control lens flares because that's the look he went with the Star Trek reboot movie, and now everybody associates that with Trek. Like you still got the L cars, but now they just are are gone. Someone's photoshopped the shit out of them. Uh, and yeah, I really don't like the new aesthetic for yeah. Star. It's just so generic. Like it, this could be Mass Effect. This could be any this could be the expanse like this could be any other science fiction the expanse series doesn't do this seen. shit and i think it feels more real like uh you they know. have essentially ipads for their screens right which yeah i mean like fine. the it's expanse more feels more like 24th century star trek and it's like look and feel i mean i guess not exactly they don't have phasers and photon torpedoes but like mm-hmm. you know it's 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 cool there, there was an iconic design to star trek that i feel has been lost uh, oh for sure since Voyager after Voyager mm-hmm. um, that yeah and I don't want it to be exactly the same I'm not saying oh let's go back to and 100% L cars and as, all the, the yeah. rounded edges and everything yeah. we got to do that I'm just saying let's get something let's get a d- fucking Ive or whatever in here to develop the new aesthetic for Star Trek because yeah. they haven't developed anything unique enough to stand out as like oh I see it and I know it's Star Trek yeah like Michael Okuda and Rick Sternbach developed the look and feel of the next generation deep space nine with a lot of affection for the previous source material yeah and someone else needs to and the other problem is that you had a whole century of drift between Mm -hmm. you know kirk and picard you got it's it's just a lot harder and some of this stuff is like you know the starfleet's like goddamn you know uh, milan like they gotta have a new uniform every five years. Mm-hmm. Like that's not how these things work yeah. at all. You gotta have new. Yeah, it's just I don't know. Like you gotta have you gotta have new new things. But the thing is, is like why? Um, it's like I don't understand why they had to redo the Klingons and Disco. I understand like if this was a children's show and you have to sell action figures, but no one's buying fucking action figures of Picard. Like why, why do you have to redesign it everything every, uh, all the time? I mean, I could see them wanting to distinguish the new stuff from the old stuff mm. a little bit, but yeah, I, I, I don't ne- know that we necessarily needed a full redesign of everything. Yeah. I'm with you though. The lens flares, they don't bother me as much um, because I'm kind of used to them, but it is, it is wild. Yeah. Um, John, what's happening with the writing on these new Star Trek shows? This episode of Picard is the first time I did the hands in the air disbelief maneuver that ended up becoming very common while Taste watching bomb. Star Trek Disco. But goddamn, Grey's Anatomy episode broke out uh, this week. <laughs> oh, a goddamn Grey's Anatomy episode broke out this week. What are the writers doing? Is it Kurtzman? He's on both shows. It's it's part. It's it's a lot of Kurtzman. <laughs> Why do they think a soap opera pot plot line is appropriate for Star Trek? This week on a very special episode, Rafi abandoned her son because of drugs and he's angry. Not just the drugs, but also drugs and conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. I learned it from watching you, all right? And Picard is in full-on French farce while Seven of Nine is in an action drama. Um, I have no problems with Picard doing a French farce. And Seven of Nine being an action drama is not a problem. I felt like they needed to commit. Like, she needed to be a lot more Jason Bourne, a lot less ter- uh, Terminator. 
what's happening the show still has patrick stewart though so i'm still in but man they make it rough uh yeah i mean Mm -hmm. they the whole creative team behind disco moved over wholesale to make picard um so you can expect upgrades in terms of um you know it's just the way the walking dead made some progress season to season because these people just got better you know through repetition learning on the job um but you're you know this isn't like david simon's writer's room this isn't uh you know uh damon lindelof writing or this isn't vince gilligan this is a guy who does below average star trek stuff and he's they flipped him the keys to another franchise and it's got one the the best actors alive anchoring it and making giving it a gravitas that it probably doesn't doesn't earn um yeah it's weird to me i don't i don't so both those shows are still going. Like we got Picard, we got Disco. Oh, really? I thought Disco was done. Is Disco done? I thought Disco was done. I stopped watching after halfway through season one. Yeah. So I don't know. So maybe it's not, but it's done as far as this this kid's concerned. Hmm. Okay. Well, so, I guess yeah. If you want to bring over that team, it makes a certain amount of sense. You know, they have experience in the Star Trek universe and writing as a group together and all that stuff, but. When the product they put out is universally, I think, panned, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you want to shake that there's, up? There's people that have that their disco has its defenders, just like everything is, but it's pretty hard to argue that disco broke out yeah, no. of this the CBS online. Like it it's you know, no one was subscribed well, no, a lot of people subscribe just to get mm-hmm. it. But like it didn't it didn't make any you, you got a bunch of Star Trek fans that were hoping for good Star Trek subscribing. You didn't get mm-hmm. like general fans of science fiction or people like yeah i used to like star trek i'll give it a shot i don't know um yeah because it didn't get positive buzz right something like the expanse has built and that's what i'm saying like they there is a lot of talent out there there's a lot that's what i mean like when you talk about damon lindelof look what they did with Watchmen. yeah and damon lindelof right they took somebody who from birth essentially has been a huge fan of that franchise right and said here we want you to do this right we're going to give you the budget we're going to give you the time you need basically taking a franchise and handing it to someone who loves it and also is a really good writer um not necessarily has experience in that franchise but knows the material and knows how to write yeah i mean you look at like what disney has done with the marvel franchise and what they haven't done with the star wars franchise and you can get like there's got to be in top tier writing talent people that grew up watching star Trek. everybody Everybody who's written something in and, television and, and knows. everything in front of the camera is fine. Like I think you know they uh-huh. got Jonathan Frakes is a, a pretty well respected and a, a television director. I think he does really good work, and the acting is fine. Uh, the special effects are amazing. We start writing Star Trek Picard fan fiction. We should do spec scripts. Absolutely. We go into Star Trek Picard novels. Yeah, and then we go into writing Star Trek data. Yeah, we 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 do what the Voyager fanfic lady did. Exactly, back our way in that. Like, it's the bar's that low. I bet we could do <laughs> it. Kind of is. Like, we could do it. We this could. Uh, we could open. So we will do a new series called Writing Data, and we just uh, we we spitball some ideas, see what people think, yeah. maybe have some people submit some dialogue, uh, do some you know, <laughs> take advantage of the Star crowdsource Trek crowdsource the dialogue Crowd, in a novel. Crowds, why not? Crowdsource all the technical details because you know someone uh-huh. out there has read all of Memory Alpha and has it memorized and yeah. You know, I don't want to fuck up saying that Romulans and Red have been assimilated and then someone throw a season six Voyager episode in my face. Mm-hmm. Hell no. Yeah, we could we could we could make that happen. Uh, 
until then, we are left with contemplating the next week's episode of Picard, which we will do yeah. next week. Uh, if you would like to send us feedback, uh, do so at Picard at baldmove.com. Hailing frequencies are open. Uh, and then we will be back next week, like I said. Until then, I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. See ya.